Welcome back to the Practice of Being Seen podcast, episode number 33. The Practice of Being Seen is about understanding who you really are and daring to share your truth with the world. These are conversations with and for seekers, creators, and holders of transformation. We believe that stories shape relationships, and relationships shape stories. I'm your host, Rebecca Wong, relationship therapist and founder of Connectfulness, and this is the practice of being seen. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, the show. Today, I'm joined by Elsie Escobar. Elsie works in the cross-section of technology, digital media, and holistic living, with a heavy bias on podcast production and the creative use of audio. As a podcaster since 2006, she was the first female yoga podcaster with an audio show that has now been downloaded more than 5 million times. Currently, she produces two podcasts about podcasting. The Feed, the official Lisbon podcast, and She Podcasts, the podcast for women about podcasting and the new media from the women's point of view. She is a diehard podcast junkie who lives and breathes the medium and has the unique perspective of a podcast listener, an independent podcast producer, and industry analyst personality. Welcome, Elsie. Hey! What's up? <laughs> I'm so glad that you're here with me today. I'm really excited for our conversation. Me too. That, yeah, I know that you have a lot going on. You are about to be inducted into the Podcast Hall of Fame. Did I get that right? Yes, it's the Academy of Podcasters Hall of Fame. Who knew that there was that thing, right? It's hey. awesome that there is <laughs> and that you're getting that honor. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. So, so excited. So I think this is a really great place for us just to talk about, you know, how much podcasting is growing and what transformations it can bring about in someone's life. I mean, obviously, you are living and breathing podcasts. Oh, I love it so much. I can't even take it. Yeah. You know what? For me, not only is it about the medium itself, because... It's gotten so much like people are talking about it so much. People are seeing the power of it, not only as an opportunity to sort of get your voice out there, your mission, the things that you believe in out there, but also like as a marketing tool. I mean, that's big talk out here, how to get that, you know, be the voice of the expert, if you will. And it does have a lot of potential power. You know, it becomes like another viable form of getting yourself out there now the reason that I got into it wasn't necessarily because of that. It was more about the freedom of it coming Tell from... Tell um, about that. Yeah, it, it was actually because, you know, I'm a trained actor. And so I was on stage for a long time. And it was amazing. I loved going to grad school. It was the most empowering time of my life. I got to learn so much about myself as a human and get to, you know, be on stage and do all these wonderful things. And then you kind of have to go do the work. Like you have to pave, you know, walk the pavement, do all that fun stuff. And I found out that I was a really horrible business person. Like I just didn't know how to <laughs> auditioning was awful. You know, it really made me feel dim, untalented. It made me feel like I didn't have it. It made me feel super not comfortable in my own skin. 
It brought up a lot of insecurity. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Because sometimes when you read, I don't know if you know much about the industry itself, like the acting stuff, and you get these sides, right? So, like, let's say you're going to audition for a new pilot or something, and then they send you a sheet, and on the sheet it has a breakdown of the characters. And then every character has about a paragraph description of what the character is, and then they give you the sides. And so every single character description that I got when I was there said something like this. It said something like, she is the hottest woman in the room. She's kind of like, she's Jennifer Lopez, but with straight hair. You know, that's what it basically would say. So then you immediately are... You have to be these things that you don't necessarily feel you are. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So then you'll all of a sudden you're like, okay, so even if you read the breakdown and you read the scene and you're like, oh my God, this is a great scene. If I couldn't remove the description from it, you know, I couldn't get that out of my head. And so then I began to mold myself to what they were looking for versus who I was. And I never broke through that in acting. I never broke through that at all. (laughs) Hence my quitting. (laughs) (laughs) But you pivoted. You didn't just quit. You pivoted. I did. I did. Yes. You pivoted towards? I pivoted towards yoga, teaching yoga. Love it. Because I needed to like, you know, remove all of this horrible stuff that was happening to me. And I thought this feels so nice. And I'm aligning with myself. And oh, my God. And then somehow it's in that transition that I found my voice. And it was like in the philosophy of yoga and all this stuff. And I started to feel very comfortable. And then podcasting came into my life via like an iPod. You know, I got an iPod touch for Christmas in 2005. And I started to like, I didn't have digital music at all. And that's what they were essentially for. So I was like, okay, so I have no music. (laughs) What do I listen to? And then so I opened up iTunes and there were these podcasts in iTunes. And I thought, what are these things? And I started to kind of browse through and I thought, oh my God, this is like, there's categories and there's like all of these, all this content and how cool. And early, early listener. Oh yeah. And one of the first podcasts that I listened to was an anatomy podcast, but it was really classes from a university. That's what I gravitated for, from, to, whatever. And then Harvard University put out a podcast about, well, it wasn't actually a podcast. It was a class. It was called, I think, something like Computers 101. And I had always felt very untechnical. I had always felt very, like, I'm so scared of the computer, it's going to break. And I thought I was really actually quite ashamed by that because I felt so behind. Mm. And I thought, ooh, how cool. Nobody knows that I'm learning this. It's in my ears. I will just take this class. And that actually opened up so many avenues because I made friends with the guy who was teaching the course. Yeah. Um, he gave me my first Gmail code. Do you, I don't know if you remember this, but you couldn't join Gmail. Yes. Yeah? Yes. I remember who I got my code from as well. Yeah. Yeah. You had to get so, a code from someone. Totally. So he gave me the code and then there was a promo on that episode for another guy who had a podcast called The Typical PC User. And I started listening to him and he became like my podcasting Yoda. And so he supported me in everything that I wanted to do. And I sort of, you know, reflected back to him some yoga teachings in the process, you know, and we became buddies. But he essentially said, you should totally do this. And I said, okay. And 
I just started recording my yoga classes. That felt like the least amount of resistance to getting yeah, into the medium. Because it was a voice you already had. Yes. It was something you already were doing and knew. Totally. And so yeah. that's what I did. And in doing so, I kind of hit a creative space in my heart that I didn't have before. And in the other side of things, too, it allowed me to become a lot more refined in my actual physical voice, in the way that I was speaking, because, oh gosh, it transformed me yeah. completely. And these are the levels that I want you to understand about how powerful this is, because a lot of the time right now, people are getting into podcasting primarily for the marketing purposes, I would say. I mean, there are times when we really do need to say something out and we kind of have, we feel like, oh, this is a great medium to do it. But there's also thinking about the sort of end game of things, right? Yeah. And I don't want to like interrupt you. No, yet to I mean, this is something I talk about a lot too, that oftentimes this work that we're doing, we're always so focused on like the, what we're going to get out of it now. Yeah. But it, there's so much more that we can get when we start thinking about it like a long game, like a marathon. Mm -hmm. But also, in addition to, one of the things that I feel podcasting is incredible for is as a tool for self-development, not yes. for other people, but for you. And because for me, there were these different facets. One of them was that I decided to do a style of podcast, which was very simple. I recorded myself teaching a yoga class, right? Yeah. And it was only audio, which most people would go like, why are you putting this only audio and video, blah, blah, blah. And I was really adamant, like, when you're doing this class with me, you must be listening. That is a skill that you need to learn. So I was putting this whole, you know, class that this teacher had on. But at the same time, regardless of that, since the premise was you're only listening, I needed to provide something to help them know what was happening. So I decided I'm going to write down the poses and add pictures on my website. And that's how you will know what's happening. So that meant that I had to listen to myself teach Which every single time. Which refine exactly. and how it, you were teaching. Exactly. And it Talk all, about the practice of being seen. This is like seeing yourself on another level. Holy Cats, yeah. But yeah. it also brought up all the stuff, right? Because <laughs> yeah, then you're there. listening, and then the first thing, it's like, oh, my God, do I really sound like that? That's awful. Why I am I laughing noticed, so much? I have noticed that I have totally <laughs> changed the way that I talk. Yeah. Since I've started podcasting, and I've only been in it for like seven months at this point. It's crazy. And so yeah. I'm like, what's going on with that? Well, that didn't go very well. Like, there were so many things that I had to get over, right? And there's this little tiny course that has never seen the light of day, not because I don't believe in it, but because, you know, sometimes there's only so much time that I have. But in that specific course, I do kind of teach this, like you need to go record yourself and listen to yourself and do it again, you know, in all of these different ways so that you can hear yourself and start to get to the point where you are dispassionate about what you hear so that you're no longer an imposition of judgment. judgment. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, where you're not like, yeah. oh my God, can I just shut up? I mean, we all get to that place because I still listen to myself and I'm like, Ugh, 
shut up. Like, you know, I have to say that. And, you know, I know that you're in transition and I know that there's lots of stuff going on with you. And here are some things that I have found from having a co-host and not having a co-host. Yes. One of them is the fact that when you don't have a co-host, you really get sick of yourself because (laughs) you are totally healing yourself the whole time. And there's times when I've recorded, like, I think, two or three solo episodes for She Podcasts. And there was a time there where I did one of those where I'm in the middle of it and I'm having like a third person in the room, which is shut up, just stop talking now. I'm over it. I'm done. I'm done with the talking. And I'm like, how can I get over this? This is crazy. I've been talking for so long. Shut me up. It's so weird because you hit a point. I don't know about you, but I do tend to talk a lot. Like I'm very introverted, but if I have like a friend in front of me, like, you know, the the, uh, just a person that I trust, you can't shut me up. Oh, yeah. I just it's, can't stop it's definitely a thing for me. Even with my husband, I'm such an introvert. Oh, my God, me too. Me, you know, Dork. I always just want to talk. And some of the people in my life, God bless them, they <laughs> they need a little reprieve sometimes. <laughs> yes. And so, but I never knew that I could actually hit a point where somebody else was not being my gauge, you know, because usually where it's you like... You were your own gauge. Yes, where I was like, oh, my God, I'm still going. <laughs> <laughs> So there's yeah, going to be that. I think that's a beautiful way to reflect and just to kind of really take note of yourself in that way too. And I have also noticed that I think I was really scared of podcasting before we started and I needed another person to start with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's, that, yeah. Yeah. Marisa made it so much safer for me to jump in. And you're my first solo podcast, you know, Yay. my first solo interview where I'm doing this without her. So this is a whole new game already. I know, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so hard. I know that having interviews with three people with a co-host are, is tough. I mean, I've done those as well. And it's, oh my gosh, it's challenging. It's um, also fun. It is. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of balls that have to be yeah. thrown up in the air and whatnot. A ton. But yeah. And so when I started to do this thing and I started to talk and listen to myself, it did give me the option of refinement. And it gave me the option of understanding time and how long it takes to transition thoughts. Because a lot of the time when you're teaching, at least for myself, and I got this feedback from my teachers a lot of the time, is that I wasn't giving the space to my students to essentially receive the teachings and then take action on them. Because I was afraid of the silence. Oh, that's beautiful. And uh, And messy. And uh, yes, of course, because (laughs) who wants to be in that silence, right? And I was scared as a teacher. I was scared that if I didn't say something again, that they would find out that I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) So... (laughs) You know, instead of always just being that person who's like a step or two ahead, who who has a slightly better idea, there's this, it's so much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. So it was, and to be able to be in the moment, right? Because I was afraid to be challenged by my students in a really positive way, not in a negative way, but Mm -hmm. I was afraid because I didn't have that inner confidence and it provided the space for me to be able to say, did you get that? And be open to receive, no, I didn't understand. And then have to... And then have to say it again in a different way. In another way. Yes. So 
that was huge for me as an educator or as a teacher or as a leader. As because someone who's sharing a voice, who's someone who has a message to share. With absolutely. The world. Yeah. yeah. Because we need, and this is something that I think in, you know, some of my work that I do with independently with women and mentorship and podcasting, it's about that. It's about being able to be okay with saying your mission, is stating your impact in all of these different ways until it can become so clear that when somebody says, so Rebecca, what's going on with you? What's the scoop? You're able to clearly take the stuff out, like just boom. Yeah, and then, you know, that only happens when you practice. You can't think it. You no, can't it's, just it's, think it's it. It's not a cerebral process. It's no. not even something you can do through writing. It's something that you really have to, like, it's an experienced process. You have to live through it. You have to get real-time feedback from real people. You have to get feedback from yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I challenge, and this is another thing because this is something that's really helped me too, is that you can write it, but it's not enough to write it. In fact, one of the exercises that I love is writing and then saying it and then record it and then get yeah. behind the mic and say it and then say it again so that you feel what it feels like in your mouth. Because and listen to it in there too. Oh my God, yeah. Again, the, the listening back, all of that is going to be like, hmm, that didn't quite land or well, that's really tough to say <laughs> so, you know, because, because all of that is feedback for yourself. How do we yeah. expect somebody else? Because that's another thing. How do you expect this idea, which is so important to you, to be transformed and shared if you can't speak it, which means that the person that's hearing it is can't also hear it. Yeah, can't hear or speak it for that matter. Yeah. You know, I find that this is such a key thing. I know I talk to a lot of therapists mm -hmm. and Therapists tend to get into this therapist speak, this other frame of talking in this like really cerebral, really book smart language that to each other, they kind of understand what they mean if they've studied the same stuff, but it doesn't always translate. And I know that myself, I often hear some of the speak and I go, I don't really know what you're saying. Can we dumb this down so that it's digestible? And I think yeah. in some ways, this is what we're talking about. It's making it really just like human to human relatable. Absolutely. One of the teachings that I had from one of my philosophy professors and also from my actual yoga teacher teachers, they were teaching at a different level. And it was obviously this was all around yoga, but it also had to do with the fact that we do get stuck in the complexity of things. But the thing is, the mark of that wonderful communicator, the mark of somebody that really lives in their expertise is being able to say something in such a simple way that you get it right away, the end, yeah. <laughs> even though they are like the most well-learned, whatever, they've studied all of these things and, you know, they know the jargon, they know how to do that. And they can have that conversation on that level if exactly. it's where someone needs to meet them, mm -hmm. but they can also have a conversation with anyone else. Yep and translate their love of this thing. You know, there's this neuroscientist named Daniel Siegel. And we talk about brilliant people in neuroscience, like who gets neuroscience? But I could actually digest some of his work because he speaks on that other level. Yep, absolutely. And that's yeah. when the brilliance comes in because then you get the universality of the teaching right yes. away. 
Yes. And then you're ready to go deeper into it, right? But if you get the small details, and but you don't really, I don't think we as humans can understand the details sometimes when we don't get the holistic experience of something or like, I'm going to say truth, but it's not really quite the truth. But when you hear a teaching that is universal, you can feel it in your body. You're like, oh, whoa. It's like you download it. Oh, my God. I get this. But then you get more subtle. Then you can question it and go like, oh, okay, so if this is true, then how does this fit here? And what I have found is that the power of being able to speak, once you start to develop that vision that you have for your whatever, for your platform, for the things that you stand for, the only way to really distill it is to continue to have the conversations. Yeah. And in that way, you're like, oh, my God, I'm brilliant. I totally said that really well. And you know what I mean? And then you can have those moments and then you can have moments when you're stuck and you're like, I don't know this. I know this in my body. I kind of know this in the back of my head, but it hasn't fully come through so that I can nail my thought so that I can nail it so that the other person gets it. And we often I feel there's times where we get stuck in that. We get it, mm-hmm. but we're not able to get it out. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And to me, I'm also kind of like parlaying this into the other side of my work that I don't podcast about very often, but I'm a relationship therapist. So I often am helping couples find their voice and communicate with each other and go through a really important process of discernment in terms of being able to feel what they feel and know that that's what they're feeling and that's what their experience is and then having a way of communicating that with the people in their lives. Podcasting is another whole platform but in terms of what we're doing in communication it's not so different. No, There's still like a whole finding clarity process and I think that's really what you're talking about here that is so much about kind of knowing yourself in order to get to that place of being able to distill and share a really clear-cut message with the people who are listening. Yeah. And again, if you want to bring in like that relationship part of it or the relationship building part of it, there's relationships. Yeah, these are absolutely. (laughs) But also the fact that, you know, when you are maybe helping a couple or maybe one of the couples find whatever that voice is, the only way to have that truly happen is if there are these conversations actually happen. So even when they don't go right, even when we even when they have missteps. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm having right now I'm having some conversations with my girls. I have a five year old and an eight year old, almost six, almost nine. I've got almost seven and almost nine. Yeah. (laughs) So both of them are very, you know, verbal. And the little one is even more so. She just doesn't. Yes, she just goes. She's very (laughs) determined. And I'm doing my best to communicate, to find new ways to communicate. And I sit down and when I start, I honestly feel like I don't even know what I'm saying. Like, (laughs) just like, okay, let's. All right, guys. So (laughs) how can I say this without being? No, you're not going outside. The end. You know, because that's kind of where I want to go. I want to go to that. No, that's it. No, I say no. Clarity. Yeah, no. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But they are asking for more. Why not, mom? What if this mom 
And I don't know how to answer other than be a dictator and said, I said no, and that is it. And I know that that is why <laughs> I had such a hard time communicating or have such a hard time communicating as an adult, because that's how I was raised. Because you were raised with someone who was kind of dictating it to you and just yes. saying, this is why. Yes. So, you know, oftentimes, one of the things that I talk about a lot is that in order for our children to really hear us, they have to test us from every angle because they need to know where the walls are, where are the boundaries. And it's not that if you say no, like, it's not that they don't understand that. It's that, okay, so this is a no, but is this? <laughs> and what about this? If I pivot this way and I turn this way, is that a no too? So they're constantly testing us, but it's also how they learn kind of where those perimeters are and where they feel safe. Oh, yeah. But there's times where I'm like, I have no patience for this. I know. Um, I get there, too. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it's like one of those things where I do my best and I'm doing my best, you know, to all kinds of work with myself so that I don't have this residual energy coming at these conversations. Yeah. And it's funny how much more comfortable I am behind the mic sometimes being able to articulate this, right? Uh, Versus... As opposed to being able to talk to them. Yes. Got and it. Because <laughs> there's times, you know, where I'm like, oh, wow, I can say this so smart. But you know why? Because the stakes aren't so high. It's sort of like yeah. when you are training, right? When you're doing like, let's say you're training to do like a speed rate, I don't know, for the yeah. Olympics, something like that. And you're just training and you're like, this is great. This is a training round. This is a training round. I excel at my training round. And then you have to go do this stuff like it's game time. And, and it's then, totally different. Yeah, because yeah, it's like yeah. the stress level is different. The stakes are different. Everything is different. And I'm not quite sure what to do with that level of fire, I guess. I'm not even sure what to call it because it's a whole body experience, right? And I kind of want to exit. And it's interesting how much easier it is, even though I've had, you know, with one of my co-hosts, we had a very powerful episode that we put out. And I remember thinking... I was just praying. I'm like, oh, I need to not start crying right now. And not yeah. because I was afraid of crying. It's just because I know that when I start to cry, you won't hear my words anymore. You will be worried about me. Yes. As a listener, you'd be like, oh, my God, she's crying. Is she OK? Versus I really want you to hear me because the conversation is important for everybody to hear. I don't want it to make it about I lost my business and I'm crying now. And I think this is so important in any form of communication that we can get lost in that emotional world, partly also because I think we get afraid of it and we don't know what to do with it. But I think it's also really important just to notice that what you're saying here is you want your listeners to keep hearing the conversation. Yeah. That, yeah, your emotion's important, but it's the conversation that you feel is really going to resonate with them. Yeah. And thankfully, I was able to get through it. And part of it is that that's also my own escape. And it has been my MO for most of my life, the emotional part. So I need to build that skill set. I need to build the skill set of how to continue having an impactful, powerful conversation with someone that is, I guess, grounded versus, hey, I'm crying through this whole thing and I'm making all these faces. <laughs> 
and you can't hear what I'm saying because I'm so upset. And, um, you know, it's like, oh my God. You're you're talking about this now from a perspective of how podcasting has become this transformational tool (laughs) for your own personal growth, like how, how you're using these conversations in a way that really helped to reshape you as a human. Yeah. Yes, totally. (laughs) <laughs> oh my God. It's just insane. But it's also really beautiful. Yeah. I think, you know, all of us, I think that there's so many different levels around the aspect of dialogue and conversation mm-hmm. and the power of voice. Yeah. There are so many different levels that we can explore when we get behind the mic. And they have been huge for practicing for me, for being able to go, okay, if I can't say it in real life, can I practice? And can I hear myself say it? Can I be comfortable with it? Something at a more subtle level that we all talk about this. In fact, I just did it, but maybe you'll become a little more self-conscious now that I'll go speak about it. It's all of those so... um, um you know, that kind of stuff. Yes. (laughs) Or just, you know, all of those fillers that tend to come with our conversations because they become a lot more amplified when we are behind the microphone. One of, you know, the skills that I've kind of started to put together is, or it's something that actually I read on a book. I cannot remember the name of the book right off the moment right now. But but if we remember it, we'll put it in our show notes. Yes. And (laughs) part of the teaching that this woman had as she was a voice coach or is a voice coach was that whenever you do have those fillers, what you need to do is maybe gather like a minute or two or maybe up to five minutes of yourself talking and you listen to yourself and you transcribe what you said, everything. You transcribe everything, including the ums, the justs, the you knows, all of that stuff, and you write it all down. And then you get behind the microphone, and then you record yourself exactly as you said it. Again, with all the ums, you knows, justs, and all of the fillers. So that you can start to bring those things to your consciousness. Yes. Because usually we do that, but we're not aware of them. And fillers are okay most of the time because it's natural. It's the way that, yeah, it's conversational. That's the way we speak. There are times, though, that we develop these habits that impede the true meaning of the words that you're putting through because you keep on putting just in the middle of it. Or, I, you know... You know, you know, and then that disperses the energy that disperses the meaning. You don't land it. And my father was a kind of big CEO when I was growing up and he would always talk to me about the power of conversation and how we had to really watch what we were saying, Mm. that we had to be mindful of the ums and the justs and all of those pieces. And I didn't fully get it right away. I then later went through film school and then I became a social worker and I was working in a clinic somewhere and I said, oh, hi, I'm just the intern. And a client of mine said, you're not just anything. And that was one moment where I really, like, it was, whoa. And then when I started podcasting and I started editing the audio for the podcasts, that was a huge shift also. Mm. That was another moment because I was doing that listening thing. But that's even another level what you're talking about in terms of recording it, transcribing it, Playing it back or re-reading it. Yeah, re-reading it. I mean, it. that re-reading it piece, that's another, like, you really have to tune into what you're saying there. 
Yeah, because it brings the habitual pattern into the conversation. And that becomes the biggest eye-opener because yeah. you cannot stop. It's just like everything else, right? The first thing you do is you become conscious of a behavior. Yeah. And that's it. It's the biggest step. That's the biggest step. Absolutely. So when yeah. you can hear that, then when you're saying it, and you'll start to feel what it feels like in your body to have those words in the front of your mouth. And you can start to catch yourself. And you can be, and again, that also brings me back to being okay with being silent, which it's the quiet times that make us a little bit wary, particularly when you are doing a podcast because it's audio. <laughs> mm, awkward silence, you know, and, but the thing is that when you're recording, like, let's say you get this file and you feel that, you know, maybe in an hour conversation or something, maybe there was a point that you feel that there was too much silence or whatever, when you're listening back, you can easily just cut the silence out. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't important. And it is important in certain, when you are trying to drive a point home, that silence is important. We need that silence in order to be able to land and really digest and take in a thought. If we start filling that space with more thoughts, we have to move on in terms of our listening mm. and we get lost. We can't digest it. The same oh, yeah. Way. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. There's so many different levels to this work particularly it's here. Beautiful. And what I actually wanted to shift it to is how empowering this can be for women of color. Oh, yes. Please go there. Because I would have to say that one of the biggest, I don't know if I can say if feelings, right, that we might feel as women of color is that our voices aren't being heard. Oh, what a way to hear, to, right? to put your voice out there. Yeah. Yeah. And most of the time there is, I would say, for most women of color, there seems to be less of an opportunity to voice it out, to give it out in a position that feels equal or mm -hmm. balanced. And unfortunately, most of us think that that's just the way it is, right? So there comes a point when it's like, oh, well, that's just the way it is. <laughs> and we do feel a sense of this is not fair, but truly, where is the other, right? We have to fight so hard. Right. Oh, so hard for that one seat. And then this podcasting thing is sort of like... Pull up you, a chair. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. here's a whole other table. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, oh, I totally don't even want that seat because I can have my own. And again... And now imagine putting that to your younger girls, to your younger women, to the ones that are just now developing their voices, to be able to give them the opportunity to practice speaking in this venue. And given the fact that it is this incredible digital medium where it has, it also takes away, oh, this is the layer that I adore. It takes away the visual component because so much of our society and culture right now is aimed in the way that we look, regardless of whether we want that to be a thing or not. We are immediately judged on how we look. You know, what kind of color do you have on your skin? What's the tint? What kind of hair you have? What clothes are you wearing? How big or 
little you are, how tall or short are you, how old or young are you or look like. So there are all of these different things that we as a society are sort of judged on. But when you get behind the mic, you don't have that. We have the luxury of saying something and not having somebody go, oh, that's just the pretty girl. Or that's just because she's, you know, she's just getting old. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we don't have any of that. It takes away some of the obstacles for actually listening because we're less distracted. It's so much more of an intimate experience. Absolutely. And the distraction happens from both ends. The distraction happens from the receiving end of things, from the audience that you want to reach, as well as you. Because all I know that there are times when, gosh, I forgot, like we do Lips and Lives, which is like we do this sort of like live tutorials for the company that I work for, which is uh, Libsyn, and we obviously podcasting company. <laughs> and we do these lips and lives. And it's so challenging for me sometimes because it would be so much easier if I didn't see myself, but then I see myself and then I'm like, oh, I step out of my game because I have this extra thing coming back at me. It's seeing me. Yes. And then I put on something else. I do other things. I behave differently if I know I'm being seen. Yes. You know, and I think this plays right into kind of where I wanted to kind of take you a little bit, because we were talking about practicing earlier. And now we're talking about a little bit about what it feels like to be seen. And, you know, the title of this podcast is The Practice of Being Seen. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to kind of bring you into conversation around that, too, because I really believe that this is something that all of us really need to practice in order to show up authentically, which kind of sounds silly to say it that way. But I do believe that there's an element of practice that it takes to gain confidence in who we are. Yeah, absolutely. There's that element. But I think that it works so much better when you practice minus that. Because for Mm -hmm. me, again, you know, coming from sort of... You don't need the confidence. I mean, it it comes eventually. It comes. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Coming from that entertainment world, you know, and knowing that the camera is on you and people are essentially making decisions based upon what you look like. Yeah. It's very challenging to do the work when that's happening. And I didn't have the skill set at that time to navigate that self-talk. It's a very challenging place to be, to be able to just go for it and not feel like everybody's watching. I'm guessing that almost everybody who's listening can have an experience where they go, yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. to be judged on what you look like. But depending on who each of us is, there's a different layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of experiences that add to that. Yeah. I think that part of what I'd love for my girls is to have the ability to navigate those times, maybe, I can't Mm -hmm. say faster, but perhaps... With more awareness? With more awareness, yeah. with more guidance from me yeah, to help them navigate what that feels like for them. Because there's so many different layers around this. Even seeing my almost nine-year-old, I was just talking to my mother-in-law about that, how she's lost her ability to not care about what she's doing. Yeah, You know, when she used to sing and dance and do all this crazy stuff and it was the cutest thing ever. And now she's understand in her own little head, like not that we're doing it, but that she's sensing that this is silly. 
Mm-hmm. And then that might not, like, she would get a little embarrassed. Like, she wouldn't want anybody to watch her do that because that could be construed as silly. You know, and it's like, oh, man, she's already lost that. And it's like, where did this happen? Oh, my God. It happens so quickly. I'm going to get real with you for a minute. I'm a Jewish white woman married to an Asian man who's raising some mixed children with dark skin. Hmm. And there's a lot I don't know about my daughter's experiences in this world. And a lot that I'm learning through watching that the lenses that they bring home, you know, and the conversations that they're having with me about their differentnesses and their samenesses with others. And we live in a pretty sheltered community. And I'm so touched by their experiences. And I'm also so like, I just want to protect them so much from some hardships in life, Mm -hmm. which I think every parent feels and experiences. And I watch those places where they start shutting themselves down, just like what you're talking about with your daughter, the the places where they don't want to be seen, the places where they need to be perfect. Yeah. I'm sitting with that as another mother who's noticing also the complications of race and ethnicity and all of those, even the unseen pieces and the parts that as parents, even sometimes we don't know how to guide our children through because we've lived a different experience than them. Absolutely. It's a really interesting road from don't look at me, don't see me and see me. And I feel that the power in that is, you know, with the power of being seen The power of being seen lies on the receiver being able to either be seen or not be seen. And it's their choice. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Totally. Because it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, if I can say, like, it's the power of being seen is the power of being seen when you're ready. When you're like, I'm here. I am ready. I'm ready to be seen. Yes. That, That piece of it. Yes. Yes. And the times when you're like, you know what? This is, this is a time to turn that off. Turn off the lights. Yep. We all need that pulse. We all need that pulse. And I think we all need both. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. To go back and forth into that because both of them are healing. The the Mm. problem lies whenever we use it as a crutch and when we also don't know how to choose. When it is, it's chosen chosen for for us. us. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. tough. I have been to a few retreats and I lead a few retreats, but when I have been to retreats where there's been permission given to take your time away when it all feels too much and kind of leave the larger community, that always feels like such a gift. And I feel like when it comes to things, even like podcasting, you know, after this episode airs, I'm going to take a little retreat and the podcast is going to go on hiatus for two to four weeks and then we'll come back again in September. But I think that this is also, you know, a need for that, that pulse point. Even when we're out there in the spotlight in some capacity, when we put ourselves out there, we also need that place to reformat and to pull ourselves back and to check in with ourselves. That it's just as much a necessity, it's probably even more so, to take that time away. Oh, yeah. It's essential. Yeah. It is one of those things. I think that one of the reasons that Jess and I have been able to be Bushy podcasts are, you know, podcasts together. One of the reasons that I feel it's worked so well for us is because it's interesting because, you know, upon hearing you guys talk about your transition, mm-hmm. Marisa and yours and all the stuff and how all the feels. <laughs> 
<laughs> All the so feels. Many feels. There were so many feels. <laughs> and so I was like, oh my God, so many feels. And then I started to think about my partnership with Jess, you yes. know, because we've had, it's been kind of long. And I thought, you know, our missions are different. They're very yeah. different, actually. We deal with different aspects of the same thing, which is podcasting. So that actually joins us together. But in fact, I have no desire to do anything she does whatsoever. And I think that, you know, she always calls me. She's like, what do I do with this? Like, I'm the idea person. She's like the business person. And that's just what we do. But the thing is this, our show is more therapy. <laughs> <laughs> It really is more therapy than anything else. It's not like, okay, we're going to further this movement forward or like further this mission that we have. The mission. It's the deep dive. Yeah. The mission yeah. is just us. Yeah. It's like I get an opportunity without feeling the pressure, get behind the mic and just talk with her. You get and, to talk with a good friend. And I yeah. think that's the thing I'm going to totally miss yeah. about not having Marisa here and why I'm going to have to bring her back every now and then. Yeah. And I think that that's why, because it feels like, oh, my yeah. God, like yeah, I remember after the election, that was a huge, I, mm -hmm. oh, my God, I couldn't speak for weeks. And I would start crying just because I just yeah. felt I was horrible. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I'm like, I really like right before we were about to go on, I thought, I don't know if I can talk. I don't know if I can talk about anything. It feels so weird. But then when we got behind the microphone, I don't even know what she did. She was just making jokes. And she made me laugh so hard. Oh, she was telling a goat story. I think she was like making fun of me and my goats. I mean, it was so hilarious that by the first 15 minutes, she had broken through my emotional mess so that I was able to purge it because I could not stop laughing. So, you know, and then I was able to talk. Yes. Then I was like, oh, my God, it's been so awful. Then I was yeah. able to have the words to say, this has been a really challenging time. <laughs> but I was able to say it that way versus, you know. <laughs> well, and that's I think that's the power of a really, really awesome relationship where you can hold each other in those spaces and you can really support each other to finding the words. Yeah, that's like, yeah. if not, oh my gosh, I just think like I would just get very serious very fast. Everything I do is very fast. She just keeps it, you know, every time I'm like, okay, and then I don't know when that, I forgot what we were talking about the other day. Oh, she wanted to know like about MTV and what was like my earliest memory of MTV. Oh, that's and a I was fun like, yeah. So she was like, yeah. What was her? And I go, oh, I think it was like 1984 sometime. And then she goes, what do you mean 1984? Like you didn't watch like Road Rules and you didn't watch all this stuff. I'm like, well, we didn't have cable. My family never had cable. And then I said something like, I don't remember what my access point was to that. And she goes, only you would talk about access points, about trying <laughs> to get to on MTV. Like what is that? And I was like. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, though. I love that you do yeah. talk about access points in there because it makes it so real. <laughs> she was like, all I wanted to know is if you watch Road Rules. <laughs> I, like, I don't know. I don't remember. So, yeah. I mean, I love the ability, I think, for us to be able to, the clarity that dialogue brings to the table is so great. And also the clarity that I can't even say dialogue because it's a really a monologue, but the dialogue is with your listeners. Yeah, that's right? truly where it is. Even when you're in conversation with one or two or three people, the dialogue is with the people who are listening, who you don't even know who they are. Yep. It's insanely powerful. Love yeah. it.
Yeah. Oh, Elsie, this has been such a fun conversation. I feel like I could go on with you for days. So fun to talk about this stuff, especially the whole being seen business. I'm telling you, it's so, I love that concept. Well, I hope that we can have you come back on and we can dive even deeper. Oh my gosh, yes, because that's been a huge thing, I think. Yeah, relationship-wise. Yeah. That was something I felt like I never was. I thought that I was never seen or heard in my own way, you know, so. Yeah, and when you feel invisible in the world and in your most intimate relationships, Mm -hmm. that has a huge impact on your life. Oh, huge. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) So that's where my mission lies. It's in helping everybody find their voice and feeling seen and heard and standing in their truths and I'm in the middle of a pivot and trying to figure out how I'm going to relaunch. Yes. So. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's the best, best yeah. time. I love that. It's what we call the Madhya in yoga. The Madhya? It's the Madhya. It's M-A-D-H-Y-A. The Madhya. It's Can the pause between two phases of movement. So it's inherent in nature already. So it's the like when you're yawning, when you take a nice big yawn, right at the top of the yawn, there is this moment of stillness. Same thing with the breath. You inhale and you exhale. There's always a pause in between the inhale and the exhale. The thing is that we tend to rush through those pauses. A pendulum swing. When you know when something's swinging or you're at a swing, there's that moment of, oh, it's just hanging there for a second. And that moment is where transformation happens. That's where you get your alignment. That's where you, you know, really, really attune to what you need to do next. Yes. Um, we tend to skip those parts most of the time, but the yogis believe that's where everything is. That's where all of the enlightenment lies. It's in that pause. It's in the Madhya. <laughs> yeah, it's in the Madhya. Oh. Totally. <laughs> well, so I want to welcome my listeners into my Madhya. Yeah. <laughs> A little, Madhya, it'll be like, okay, pause. (laughs) Go. (laughs) Because I am going to be taking like two to four weeks off after we launch this episode. And so as we come back, you know, I'll be in another place. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited for you. Yeah. (laughs) So So do you want to tell our listeners about where they can find you? I know there's so many ways that you can be found. but Yes, but you um, know what? Just come to lcescobar.com. LCEscobar.com. You can peruse my site. I have links to all my shows. There's ways to contact me if you want to work with me on this type of stuff. Which I've already Um, signed up for. Yay! (laughs) So it's all, yeah, for me, it's like that level of, it's a little deeper work, more, you know, more in the voice work, but that when you can really start to embody this stuff for yourself it's it's yeah. a little bit i would say advanced but it's not advanced in like you know you have to be like this it's just that there's a certain mindset level where you're ready for it or you're not and i think the language makes it clear you know when it you does. read it and if it's like oh yes of course then yeah, that's I think you. you you had me like within like one or two sentences <laughs> of, of, of the language on your website i was like uh-huh yeah yeah no don't just get me in <laughs> Yeah. And then, you know, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. But I think I so, and speaking of being seen, that's another thing too. There's so many times that we're just not ready. Yeah. And that's, wait, one more thing. Another one of these Madias. Yes. I have to tell you. So this is another thing too. We're just going to keep going. Yeah. One last thing. The power of this podcast or the power of podcasting is that you truly hear what you are meant to hear. 
yeah. at that moment. And then you can go back and if you listen again, you can hear something totally different. Yes. And that's where the teachings come. Because there are times when we are not attuned to listen yet. We don't hear it, even though it's being said over and over and over again. Or maybe we need to attune to somebody's specific voice that tells you that thing. And then well, we go, we need oh, to hear you it mean 102 times. Yeah. It's that particular time. Exactly. That it's going to be said in a certain way, or we're going to, our receptivity is going to be just right, or the stars are going to be in a certain alignment, mm-hmm. or who knows what. Yep. But so it's not until it. that time that it actually clicks. Mm hmm. Yeah. And it's okay. And it's totally okay. Believe mm-hmm. me, because there's many times when, and as a teacher, as a practicing, you know, person who takes the seat of teacher, you have to put it out there and swaha, you let it go. <laughs> there it is. Right? There is no that. like, dude, right here. Here's your face. Listen to this. <laughs> doesn't happen. So, no, 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 it's it's really a practice of letting go. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. That's all. <laughs> Elsie, thank you again so much You're for so joining welcome. us today. Yes. Thank you for having me on. And I look forward to the post-Madia time for you. And yes, as, and as I'm sure the audience does as well. Yeah. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. I feel so blessed to have had Elsie Escobar join us for today's conversation. So much of what we talked about today deeply, deeply resonates with where I'm at right now in this leaning into a pivot, feeling my own insecurities, really wanting to refine my own voice. Podcasting has become an amazing self-development tool for me, and I'm leaning into a lot of new fears as I go on hiatus, as I take my Maria and sit in some reflection and start preparing for the relaunch of this podcast in season two this September. My mission really lies in helping us all find our voices and helping you stand in your truth and be able to put yourself out there and be seen for the things that matter to you. And that's true whether we're talking about on a big stage or we're talking about in the most intimate relationships in your life. Being seen is a really powerful journey. And it's not something that we're all really good at. It's often something that we need to practice. And so that's what I leave you with. Have a wonderful few weeks, and I'll be back this September. And as always, for more great content, please check out practiceofbeingseen.com and help me spread the word by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. Music written and performed by Christopher Ferris and produced at Kidneystone Studio. Take care.